Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I sit back and I, you know, I just bring in some dope people. And Alex Zandria Bland is back. I don't know why I messed up my intro, but she's back on the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about her work as a realtor. Uh, I wanted to do this show. And I've only wanted to do it for a while because I believe in home ownership. I believe in ownership, as you know, period, people. If you know what I've been talking about, you know, my wife and I always, you know, we love house hunters. And, you know, we'll go, well, we know when we live in New York or California because they need too much money to be buying over there. Uh, but I love how, you know, Alex is a... Uh, former teacher, uh, realtor, other things she's doing. But I wanted to bring her on so she could give us the 401 on what does it mean to buy a house? What does that process look like? Uh, if you're looking for a realtor, when you're looking for a realtor, what qualities in someone are you looking for to make sure that you can go through this process in, in a painless as much uh, as possible? Uh, so for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify, Alex, will you please introduce yourself? Hey guys, what's up? My name is Alexandria Bland, but most people just call me Alex. I am a writer and realtor here in the Houston area. And yeah, I've been in real estate for going on three years now. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So the dude who, the realtor who showed us our house was a former teacher. Really? He was. He, he was He was a teacher. And he, you know, he told us once he found out, I was like, yeah, you know, I've been, I, 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 he had stopped teaching for about a year to go full time. And then I, I think he gave himself a year. And then after he sold our house, you know, uh, a few months later, and I said, oh, wow, he's he's back to teaching, but he's still doing it part time. Mm -hmm. And I've seen I've noticed other teachers who do it part time as well or who have transitioned from teaching into doing it full time. So, you know, take a explain sort of the work you do for those who may not understand what a realtor does. And take it, take us back to that moment when you decided that real estate was going to be your new hustle. Okay, so the work I do, I'm in residential real estate, so I help buyers find their homes, like you say, on House Hunters. Going, it's not like that at all, but I do like the show. Uh, and I also help sellers sell their homes for the best possible price. And like, you have to examine their neighborhood, what prices they have been going, if they've been appreciating or whatnot. So that's the work I do. And the moment I decided I wanted to be a realtor is kind of funny because I think I remember growing up, you would watch shows like sitcoms. Some people would be realtors and they would have like this lavish lifestyle. So I think of like Tony Childs on Girlfriends in particular. I'm like, oh, she's living her best life, dressing nice and she's selling these homes. But it's really not like that. But she was still my semi-inspiration. But I've always just liked looking at houses. For example, for passing an open house, I just want to go look in. So 
I just wanted to learn more about the real estate industry. And I think like in my twenties is when I really started taking it serious and, and you know, examining like, what do I need to do? What, what does the test look like? Stuff like that. And when I was teaching and I realized I wanted to retire from the teaching profession, I wanted something with more flexibility and that's what real estate offered. So as you mentioned, those people who are part-time, you can really pursue real estate as, ambitiously or you know as you would like and do it after work on the weekends or whatever but a true realtor will tell you like you're never really off work because you're always looking at listings and depending on how you choose to accommodate your clients or you're always working mm -hmm. and speak to the business side to it particularly for those who don't know you're out there finding your own clients right you're out there creating your own deals and marketing yourself as a realtor. And, and you are really a business of one, even though you may work for, you know, Keller Williams, Absolutely. other places, but uh, you're, you're the one out there, you know, trying to get your name out there and finding clients. And, you know, you're responsible for the marketing that you do and keeping up with your mileage that, you know, you will be deducting for your taxes and other things. You know, if you buy that computer, that as well is a business expense. So for those who don't know that business side of being that realtor, of being that business of one, you know, talk to them a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I always tell people real estate is not a job. It is a business. And a lot of people think like, oh, I'm a realtor. I sell houses. But in actuality, you're selling yourself, right? And helping people get to know you and want to trust you to use you as their realtor. So like you said, it is a business. There is no salary. <laughs> you basically eat what you kill. And I remember I heard someone, I overheard a conversation. They were like, so how do you get a sound assign the houses? And I'm like, assign? <laughs> they don't assign you the houses. You really have to kind of go and find them and, you know, market yourself or whether you want to farm in a neighborhood. So what that means is you pick a particular neighborhood that you want to be an expert in or that you are an expert in and you basically market to those people only. And if you get leads and stuff like that from those from that particular outreach, then that's how you get, quote unquote, assigned your houses that people choose to utilize you as a realtor. Mm -hmm. So business-wise, it is 100% marketing yourself. It's a hustle for sure. Um, going out there, following up with clients, because it's definitely the most difficult job I've ever had because it requires me to be 100% responsible for what I do as opposed to having a manager give me tips and, and guidelines. Mm. And how does a realtor decide sort of that marketing customer base they want to go after, right? So Kiana Watson, who is a very famous realtor in Atlanta, says that, you know, some people, they go after the, the, the million dollar listings. That's who they want to work for. Others mm -hmm. want to do X, Y, and Z. She says she does it all because she says she got to eat. Absolutely. And I love her, right? right? Yeah. So there's only so many people who are going to be in that six-figure range when – there, there could be that individual, that couple, they got $150,000 mm -hmm. to pay for a house. But guess what? She's like, I'm going to sell that house or I'm going to buy that, get them to purchase a house because each sale is still a check. So Absolutely. how does someone determine, I guess, what is going to be that market they go after? Well, it really is just like what you choose, right? So 
essentially a person, me, it's my first year in real estate. Oh, I would love to sell a million dollar house. But am I an expert in that market? Absolutely not, right? I can look up comps. Sure, I have the software, but you really have to develop an expertise to the point where clients will trust you with a million dollar investment or purchase that they're making. So you may have to start lower and eventually I do want to specialize in luxury real estate, but that doesn't mean I won't, like you say, help first time home buyers with uh, on the lower end of the budget or whatever. So you can pick who you want, but in all actuality, it really is just like you networking, meeting people and going out there and making yourself visible to whatever audience you want. Mm -hmm. So I was in my forties before I bought a house. I, I just never wanted to have one. You know, my pops has a house and he was like, yo, you need to get a house, you get a house. And I was like, man, I don't want to be bothered with no house, man. I don't want to be bothered with yard work mm -hmm. and home repairs and other stuff that when we had the nice duplex apartment, we never had to worry about. And I, and I bring it up to ask you, when will someone know that it's time to buy a house? And when they're looking for that realtor, what qualifications should they look for in someone? Well, when does someone know it's the right time? You just said you waited till your 40s, right? But then we got these people online like, I just bought my first place at the age of 25, you know? So it really is when you want to, right? And when you can afford to make that investment, not only with finances, but with your time and doing the maintenance and can you be responsible? So I know for a fact, if I would have bought a house at 23, my pipes would have been messed up. The roof would have never got tended. You know what I mean? So you may want to invest, uh, you know, have investment properties or get a duplex, live in one and get income from the other portion of it. You might just be tired of paying rent or your rent going up every month. You might need more space and you can't afford to rent a large space. But if you buy your mortgage will be cheaper than your rent, right? It really is client specific. But if you can afford a home and you look at taxes and all that good stuff, then chances are it may be time for you to purchase a place. If you plan on living in the same city for at least four or five years, it'll be a good idea for you to purchase. Because if you are only going to be a place for a year, buying wouldn't make sense, right? If you have a job where you have to move frequently. There are plenty of like rental properties that increase your rent by five, six, seven percent every year. If you don't want to keep, keep having those living expenses increase, then it might be a good idea for you to purchase instead of rent. So yeah, it really is customer specific. And as far as, you know, what qualities to look for in a realtor, honestly, it's a, a very relationship oriented business. So you want to look for someone you can trust. You see them helping other people, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to pick people with the most experience. Cause I think a lot of people, uh, they choose to avoid their family members who are realtors. And I think it's really because they just don't want their family members to know their business as far as the budget or how much and da 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 da. But if a realtor can look up how much you pay for your house. They have it in the system. So you do want to support those, you know, but just if you see them working hard, grinding, so someone you feel comfortable with and you trust, that's what you look for in a realtor. Mm -hmm. So when someone is looking for a house, what should they prioritize? And like I said, you know, my wife and I, we watch all of those. We, boy, we HG, HGTV fanatics. And sometimes when I'm watching and I see someone say, you know, the husband may say, I'm looking for a starter home. Now, wife will be like, I'm looking for a forever home, forever. <laughs> right? And so, and they're going back and forth, and I'm looking at, and as they're, you know, you see in the houses, you see the budget, 
And then you go, oh, and I, I, I know from my house, I'm always like, you know, since we have a four bedroom, I'm like, look, you want to get something where, you know, even if you don't, you're not wanting kids, you could still have one in that little two bedroom condo right. downtown that you were like, yo, I got to be downtown. Now you, it's too small. Right. Uh, so, and I always look and I tell my wife, I don't know why I'm getting wrapped up in it ain't my house, but that's just me. I like space mm-hmm. because I understand that space is space. And you can, even when you look at these renovation shows, now they could sometimes, depending on what house you have, where you are, could give you some extra space, right. but space is something that it is what it is in terms of your footprint. So should people value space? Is it the location? Is it the school system? Is it the commute? When you are working with a client and you're trying to talk to them, if they ask you your advice, what would you say they should value? So yeah, it's really client specific. So it depends on what you value. Like, for example, you're really into space. So chances are the two bedroom law of my dreams is not going to work for you. Right. Um, so yes, yeah, also what your budget is, what's important to you. So you might want space, but if your budget's on the lower end, you can't afford space in inside your city. So you may have to go to the suburbs. But that means you'll have to commute an hour a day or whatever the case may be. So you have to really weigh the pros and cons and decide, okay, are the schools good here for if I have kids already? So a lot of people are purchasing for their kids and they want their kids to have a backyard other people don't care so if you're a single person no plans to have kids and that two-bedroom condo may very well work out i personally do not need a four-bedroom because that's a lot of cleaning right <laughs> so I, what i'll do is talk to the client just figure out like what's your lifestyle like and how do you like to be in a close vicinity to your grocery store or you know walking distance to entertainment so it really just depends on the client and you also want to look at the neighborhoods, right? So not just, oh, is the school good? Because I think that's something we focused on a lot with clients in the past. But look at the neighborhood. Like, is it a good neighborhood as in the home values are going up? Are they staying steady or are they decreasing? Because if it's decreasing, there's a chance you may lose money when you decide to sell or just not be able to make any money. And a lot of people buy homes with resale value in mind. So. I know, for example, uh, my partner, he was he didn't look at a house for what he likes. He looked at a house for, okay, yeah, it's, it's no bathroom on the first floor. Another family won't like that, so I don't want it either because I want to be able to sell this and make money. So it just depends on what you're purchasing the house for and if you choose to rent it out or whatever. You know, it's just up to you. It's client-specific, basically. That's the bottom line. So what are the costs associating with buying a house, what, what should people have to come to the table? Money, as much as possible. <laughs> no, seriously, like you have to have a down payment for the most part. Um, it has a significant impact. So however much money you have for a down payment, it impacts how much you end up paying over the course of your loan, right? Your interest rate can be lower if your down payment is higher. So I know there are these low to no down payment programs but those aren't necessarily the best option for every single buyer because a lot of times it's not just free money. You'll have to pay it back over the course of the loan. You can't sell the house within a certain period of time. And if you do, you'll owe money. So yeah, that's the cost associated with it. You have down payment. You also have closing costs, which are, you know, lender third party fees that you have to pay, including like taxes, insurance, attorney fees and all that to get your title and paperwork done. 
uh, what else? You also have realtors fees, like you said, and the realtors get paid 3% each and that money comes directly from the seller. So if you're a buyer and your agent representing you, it's at no cost to you. You just have to worry about your closing costs and of course your down payment. Yeah. I was glad I didn't have to pay when you're buying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, I, cause I was kind of calculating stuff and I was like, when I said, like, what do I owe you? He said, Oh no, no, you don't pay me anything. I said, I, I, yeah, I love representing buyers because they're like, oh, so you're really just helping me. Yeah, I'm just looking out for you to make sure we get this house at a at an affordable price or at the best possible price. And we're going in with a competitive offer so that you can get the house that you like, essentially. So it's a little more difficult to represent sellers because they also they want to get the most money they can. But, you know, that's where a good realtor comes in. You negotiate and figure out what's great by looking at comps and, and things of that nature. So. We got an FHA in which we had to pay three and a half percent down. Mm -hmm. When someone is like, okay, I'm ready to go to house and then they have to uh, go to their bank or, you know, a mortgage company. I know there, if you will, just kind of go into a couple of the various uh, home loan products out there. And how does and how should someone go about deciding which one is better for them? Because you know they could sit down and there could be various options for themselves, but you need to choose the right one because you just mentioned earlier there's some you get where you gotta stay there five years or whatever, and because if you don't, you'll have to pay it back. Right. Yeah, so that's for like some of the down payment or no down payment assistance programs. But the loan products that are available, like you mentioned, the most popular one, one of the easiest types to get is your FHA loan. It's you qualify for it with the low down payment. Like you said, you can go 3.5% or whatever, and you don't have to have perfect credit. Um, so borrowers can do that. And if you have less than a 580 credit score, you have to pay like 10% down as opposed to that that 300, uh, 3.5, excuse me. And also borrowers can get the FHA loan um, if they, at 580 or above, but the higher your credit score, the better chances that your interest rate will be low. So just because 580 is the minimum doesn't mean you, as soon as you hit 579, you're like, let me start home hunting because it's coming, you know? So definitely want to try to make sure your credit's the best as it can be. You also have your VA loans, which are for veterans and service members, and they don't have to pay any down payment at all. Um, and you also have your conventional loans. Uh, they have lower interest rates, and um, then a, but the conventional loan, your the lender is at risk if you default. So your VA and your FHA loans, like they're government backed. So like if you can't pay and whatnot, the government can kind of help toward that. But conventional loans, like Bank of America, let's say you get one with them, like if you default, Bank of America is in charge of that house. So that's why you have to pay more down. So ideally, you want to pay at least 10%, but you have to pay 20% down for a conventional loan if you want to avoid paying PMI, which is private mortgage insurance. Yes, yes. And when that is wrapped up in to the mortgage payment. So uh, we were cool. We had a, we got a great interest rate to people's fan. Really? Yes. It was awesome. I won't throw, I like to throw my private numbers out there, people. <laughs> um, but I, I will just say that it was in the, in the low threes. Oh, God is good. Yeah. And right, now, <laughs> right now, interest rates are pretty low, but I am noticing yeah. with large banks, like there's like a waiting list in terms of like people wanting to refinance. They don't have enough 
people or employees to service all the people wanting to refinance and look for a house right now. So be cautious of that if you're deciding to look right now. Awesome. Awesome. So, and now this is when we were losing our minds and and there's a process, you know, people like once your offer is accepted, you go into this process where there's a lot of things that happen and you're going to be asked for a lot of stuff and you're just sitting there waiting. And it seemed like we waited a month and then all of a sudden we got a phone call and said, you go to closing in three days. And I was like, what? Uh, so, okay, that was real fast. So once, you know, I even forgot the name of this process you, you, you go into after your, after your offer is accepted, and then they start going through, really going through your finances. And if there's something that they have a question of, they may say, hey, you paid, we saw this bill come out of your account. What is that bill? And you send in the paperwork and they kind of look at it. So what is that process called? And what can people expect during that process? The underwriting process is when like your loan officer, they forward all your information. Because a lot of times people in the past, they'll try to put it like, an edited paycheck stub or pretend that they make more money than they actually do but they look at your bank statements from months back or whatever from a couple months back just to see if you can actually afford the house you're agreeing to buy um yeah but also after your offer is accepted like during that 30 days you waited or so you you have to pay your earnest money like which is one to three percent of your loan and making sure that like protects the buyer like okay there's i mean the seller like they're serious about buying my property um so after the option period you have to make sure you have your your inspection so making sure like the house is nice (laughs) and there's nothing serious that needs to be done if so that gives you the opportunity to say hey we need a thousand dollars back because the roof needs this and you guys can negotiate and if they choose not to then you can pull out of the loan with no penalty and yeah so after that you have your appraisal that lenders require uh to find out that you're not paying more than the house is actually worth and if you do choose to do that for example you want to come in with this competitive offer and pay five hundred thousand dollars for a house that's really only worth 460 then and the buyer doesn't want to come down i mean the seller doesn't want to come down then you are going to be responsible for that additional money in cash or directly to the buyer your your lender is not going to pay more than they believe the house is worth so yeah throughout the underwriting process you got your appraisal you got your inspections toward the end you got your walkthroughs and then of course you have your favorite day which is closing day when you get your key and you move in no doubt no doubt and our mortgage person was like all right don't do any unnecessary spending, you know, like wh- where your account is right here. And we had account that every month, you know, money would flow in. Boom, boom, boom. She was like, see this? Don't you touch this. Cause they're going to be looking at that. Let that money, let that money sit right there. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Cause the money just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And I couldn't touch any of it. So she's like, don't touch this money. Don't do any unnecessary spending. Do not apply for any more credit whatsoever you know once yeah. this thing is over you do do whatever you want to do but right now you make sure that everything is stays the same don't touch anything 
Right. You don't want any hits on your credit report because that can drop your score and you won't qualify for the loan that you're, you know, approved for anymore. You also want to make sure that income, like she said, stays there. You rather have too much money than not enough because they're like, okay, if this much money is going out a month, how can they pay for this mortgage if they happen to be without income for a month or whatever the case may be? So yeah, that's very wise. A lot of people think they can shop for a house and a car at the same time, buy the house first and then go looking for the car because a car is going to that ding your credit report and then you may not qualify for your home anymore. Mm -hmm. So now I want to ask you about what makes someone a really good realtor. And, you know, like I said, I, I have seen, you know, yourself, the guy who sold us our house and, and I've seen a lot of educators who, you know, this is something they do in a, in, on the full time in the summer, and during the school year, it's part-time for them. Right. Um, so what skills make someone a really good realtor? And what skills in particular that educators have that are transferable to them becoming a successful realtor? That's a good question. So for, for sure, a good realtor has to be organized and they have to be effective communicators. And I think that a lot of educators automatically have that communication down because we're used to talking to groups of people and we're not necessarily shy about that. So whether you're an introvert or extrovert, it doesn't matter as long as when it's time to communicate, you're like comfortable saying things and, and getting it out, making sure the information is clear. It does help to be outgoing and have the ability to showcase your personality. So that's a good skill. Marketing is a skill that you need if you want to market yourself. But if you're not good at that, then you just have to have the desire and ability to pay someone who can help you. Because a lot of times you get word of mouth recommendations, but if you don't have the network yet, it's going to be you putting yourself out there to be seen and marketing helps with that. You also have to have good relationship building skills and being able to network. You can't be shy because a lot of times some people like cold call and like, hey, my name's Alex and are you looking for or rental or whatever. Uh, what else? You have to just be a hustler or just have that self-motivation and determination to really go out there and try because work will not come to you. You have to go find it. So those are some important skills. But I do want to point out that like a lot of the realtors like I admire, I'm not a top producer yet. Um, so I'm still adding skills and learning every day. Just actually have a desire to know whatever area you work in, whether it be reading the newspaper or just browsing the market every single day. So a, a good realtor is someone who's always learning because cities are, are ever changing so mm. those are important skills to have it's all right that's all right educators you know i'm telling you i'm all about that creating multiple streams of income around here so before we go what is your advice to those individuals who want to buy a home but they're gun shy right they've heard a lot of scary things about purchasing a home. And when I tell people, buying a house, in my opinion, from my experience, has been the easiest part of the game. It's been the cheapest part of the game. It's when you get the house. Mm -hmm. And you know, now you're paying Terminix versus you didn't pay that when you had a when you were doing an apartment, you know, so you gotta get, you know, you're getting your your, your uh Terminix, Terminix coming in, you got to, you know, not only with the quarterly sprays, but termite, termite protection. I never, never even crossed my mind about termite, termite until I got to the house. 
or you're paying for homeowner's insurance. I, and I know some people don't even do that, but let me tell you something, folks. You better get that homeowner's, well, homeowner's insurance is going to be a part of your uh, mortgage, but they're, they're your warranty. You better get that, folks, because refrigerators, have you seen some prices of refrigerators out there? It's no joke. My <laughs> friend just bought one. Her refrigerator was $2,000, and she got it. It was like super fancy, little black stainless steel, whatever, and it wouldn't get cold. <laughs> and so all her food's going bad, and it's super funny because she got it from Best Buy, and the stores had closed down because of COVID-19 and all this. So now she's like, I need a refrigerator. She's banging on the door. And, yeah, essentially uh, the refrigerator was on demo mode from being in the store. So oh. figured it out, but the food was bad. But yeah, so appliances are super expensive. And once you get in the house, things are way more complicated than the actual buying process. You're right. Yes, ma'am. So that's why I'm like, you know, it's a whole new ordeal, like even once you get in the house. So for those people who, you know, like myself, you know, they watch the house hunters, they get excited or they've reached that level of, I'm, I'm ready to make an investment, right? Or as you mentioned earlier, someone can, you know, you could be paying nine twenty five right now for that house you're renting, or that apartment you're renting, and the mortgage, and they tell you, Nick, oh, next year it's going to be nine seventy five, and the next year after that it could be one twenty five, right? So you don't control that, you don't own that, you just every year. So for those that they're ready, well, for whatever reason they're ready, what do you say to them to get over that hump? Especially if they're kind of like, I want to do it, but I don't know, I don't. You know, I don't heard about money pit houses. I don't heard all this stuff. And they really uncomfortable with following through. That's a tough one because I always say it's not my job to persuade or convince somebody to buy a house because that's how you end up with buyer's remorse, right? So I want to work with people who for sure know they're ready to start the process. Um, so the best advice I can give to them is, you know, just sit down, write down a list of things you like about renting and don't like and the ideals of you owning a home. So if you don't want to mow the lawn, then you have to remember that's going to be an additional expense for me. So can I really afford that on top of this mortgage? So the best I can give to some advice I can give to someone who wants to buy a house is to really assess why you want to buy and if you're truly ready. So I had a real conversation with a client in March, so last month. Dang, it's really April already. I just, this year is going by. But yeah, so she discovered that she wanted to buy a house for all the wrong reasons. So she she was ready. She had been saving money. Like, everything's great. She's also a teacher, so she had, you know, the income stability. It really wasn't an issue. But she prayed on it and realized that, like, she only wanted a house for aesthetics for what other people would see and say but she knows she, she knows she didn't want to mow the lawn she didn't want to pay anybody to mow the lawn renting's easy for her she doesn't really have an issue with her rent payment um and she was just influenced by people who glamorize the process who say oh i got a house before i turn 27 before i turn 30 or whatever the issue may be so just really examine why you want to buy a house if you're truly ready and if you can really afford it so yeah that's my advice is just figure out why are you riding if you're really ready to make that commitment to stay in the same place and you should be fine but last thing i want to say is like buying a home is a huge investment so research your lenders before you just give anybody your bank stubs and all and check stubs and all that so you can you have the opportunity to interview different lenders and loan officers just talk to them and ask them questions before you give them all your information and they're usually extremely helpful and available because they do want to be of service to you and yeah 
Realtors also have like a list of approved lenders that they've worked with before if you need recommendations, but just figure out who you're comfortable with and hopefully the process will be easy for you. No doubt. Excellent. Excellent. We had a great time because we went with the bank that we actually bank with and sitting down with them and asking them what kind of credit score we had and other things. And so you need this, this, and this. Oh, let me tell you our person. And it was a seamless process. We did see a lot of houses though. And at some point you may go, man, am I going to find the right one? But you know, when you know. You do. And you walk in and you feel like, like I have a friend who was looking for a house and we go and she didn't even want to see this house, but she didn't like how it looked on the outside, but on the inside, it was everything she wanted, you know? So eventually she's like, okay, I'm just going to paint the exterior and I got my house. It has everything I want. So don't just be so consumed with the cosmetic stuff because you can easily paint something or change the floors out. So I think a lot of people get so caught up with seeing the, we need white subway tiles because that's hot right now when you can really make a house what you want it to be if you just save up enough money to make small changes over time so the first house we ever got i it had carpet everywhere i never wanted that we ended up my back was hurting for weeks but we changed our own floor then <laughs> so over time you can really make a house what you want it to be and that is a huge pro considering when it comes to rental properties you can barely hang pictures up on the wall without feeling guilty you know so it really just depends on you no and we, that's what we've been doing just Every year we find something that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We go ahead and get it done. And we're like, wow. And our last one, we were like, oh, this is looking like a whole new house. So we're, <laughs> uh, so you don't have to do it, you know, at one time. I mean, like you said, you can over time, you know, make these fixes to get your house the way you want it. And so we were very excited, took a picture at the closing. And uh, I have never signed so much paperwork in my entire life. Huge stack of brickwork. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. But it was well, it was definitely well worth it. And uh, we definitely love it and enjoy it. And I plan to pay off this house and keep it. Uh, and- Home ownership is a great way to, to build well and just, yeah, to secure like, you know, a future for your family. You can leave property to your, your children. And a lot of times, rent, you just feel like you're giving money away every single month. But it's a living expense for sure. So thank you, Alex, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And thanks for listening to the Dr. Will show, you guys. Oh, wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> and Alex has her own podcast as well, what Alex says. Uh, there'll be a link in uh, the show notes for you to go check out her podcast. So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Simplify, Simple. Oh, God. Spotify. Oh, my gosh. People. It is what it is. We're doing it like this live, people, and Spotify. I need you to subscribe. Leave your comments. You know, the stars are great. I appreciate the ratings, but I need you to leave some reviews so that I can be found, people. Your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show, and I want her to know. See, she just mouthed that out. She know how I do Oprah! (laughs) (laughs) And I want her to know we're doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest. Alexandra Bland, other known as Alex, and check out her books as well. Be links there. As always, people, invest in you, ADU, peace.